nearly three years ago to the day, we offered our first ever in the 100 however many year history of Pillar Church, our first ever online worship service. And in two weeks, we're going to transition into live stream. And I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much for journeying with us over the last several years in this online worship experience. And bless God for his really shocking and stunning faithfulness to us. What I thought might become a step away from uh, the community of faith for people, it's actually kind of worked the opposite. It's, it's been an opportunity for more people to enter in to the life of the Pillar community, so I just want to say thank you. Uh, the way to the online experience will remain the same. The experience of it will be significantly different. I'm eager to uh, begin this next journey with you. On Wednesday morning, I was uh, with a group of guys. We were reading the Bible story you're about to hear, uh, the, the story of the three servants. One gets five talents, one gets two talents, the other gets one talent. I was actually looking for a little help uh, with this sermon. Jesus tells five stories that last week of his life, Judas betraying Peter, denying Pilate, interrogating that week of his life, the cross, hanging in the grave, waiting, and his mom crying that week. Jesus in the garden, Jesus praying, Jesus shouting, not what I want. That last week of his life, he tells five stories, and this is the fifth of the five. This is the last story Jesus ever tells. So I'm looking for a little help on the sermon. I'm with those guys on Wednesday morning. I asked them, after you hear the story, I want you to tell me what, what rises to the surface of your spirit and one of my friends in that group said, don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. My friend thinks this story is about. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a risk-averse guy. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like a good old-fashioned adventure. I just like it to be planned. I like there to be an itinerary. I like to see an agenda well in advance. And I'm not sure I'm all alone. Even the risk takers among us are actually still trying to take risk to preserve some sort of security. The inertia of our lives pushes us to self-preservation, to comfort, to familiarity. But my friend thinks this story says, don't play it safe. Uh, in that same group was another friend. He's 70. Uh, guess what he did to celebrate his 70th birthday? He jumped out of an airplane. Yeah, here's a video of him doing it. So if there's a banner hanging over the sermon, it reads, don't play it safe. If there's an image I want imprinted on your heart, it's my friend Mark jumping out of an airplane. Don't play it safe. Uh, Jesus tells five stories the last week of his life. This is the fifth story. It's as if a man going on a journey, summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went away. At once, the one who had received the five talents went and traded them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had received two talents went and made two more talents, but the one who had received one talent dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. 
when the master returned after a long time, he settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came forward saying, Master, you, 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 you gave me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. And, and the master said, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who had received two talents came forward saying, Master, you gave me two talents. See, here are two more talents. And the master said, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You were, you were, you were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man reaping what you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. So I buried your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. And the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather what I do not scatter? Then you, what, then you should have invested with bankers and given me what was mine with interest. Now, take the one talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For those who have, more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken from them. And he ordered him to be thrown into the outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him to take a seat on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, the sheep he'll put on his right hand and the goats at his left hand. And he'll say to those at his right, come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they'll say to him, Lord, when was it we saw you hungry and gave you food and thirsty and gave you something to drink? And, 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 and when was it we saw you naked and clothed you and sick and took care of you? And when was it? We saw you as a stranger and welcomed you and in prison and visited you. And he'll tell them, truly, I tell you, when you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And to those who are accursed, he'll say, depart into the eternal fire made for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was sick, and you didn't take care of me. I was in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they'll say, Lord, when, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or naked or sick or a stranger or in prison? And he'll tell them, when you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And they will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. It's Matthew 25, 14 through 46. These parables, these stories, why can't we have like the lost coin story or the, the lost sheep story or the prodigal son story? Why do we have to have these stories, these stories? Jesus tells five stories the last week of his life. This is the last one he tells. I know you can't like place a hierarchy of value on Bible stories just because they happen towards the end of his life, but isn't it fascinating? The last story before the last supper, before he breathes his last. There's so much about this talent story and sheep and goats teaching that's kind of hard. I mean, he throws him into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That'll, that'll wake you up on a Sunday morning. Jesus very clearly has and eternal life on his mind. You can't build a detailed theology of all things eternal, but on the other hand, you can't back away from the fact that Jesus is operating as if there is one. Or, or, or when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he'll separate people one from another. We don't like to separate people. We want everybody to get along. We want them to all come on in, but he's separating people one from another. What do you, what do you, what do, you do with that? There's a lot of hard things in these stories, and I don't, I don't want you to get distracted by the hard things to miss the bigger picture Jesus is trying to paint, the, the bigger image Jesus is offering, the image of a very actually generous God and a crazy, wild bunch of people who don't play it safe. Now, Jesus is actually painting an image of a very generous God. I mean, here's how it starts. It's as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. He just gave it to them. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two talents. To another, one talent. He just, he just gave it to them. And of course, the talents are representative of something much more than a commodity we can manage, but rather the good news announcement God has been about since the very beginning when he made the world with a word, the Lake Michigan sunset we will finally get to enjoy in just a couple of weeks in the, in the shocking uniqueness of the person next to you and the glory of a spring morning after a winter's freeze. God made it all, and after he made it all, he said to us, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all of it. He just gave it to us. And then there's Abram. He just shows up to Abram, and he says, hey, here's the deal. I'll be your God. You'll be my people, and we're going to bless the world. Blessed to bless. He just gave it to him. And then, and then uh, there's Isaac, the little boy, with his life on the line. God just provided a ram and preserved his little life. And then there's, there's uh, Jacob's wife, Rachel, who was said to be barren for 14 years, and he just gave her a child. And there's Moses, who could hardly talk, who becomes the spokesperson for freedom. He just gave it all to them. And then you've got the prophets who just keep coming and calling people back to God's hearts. It's as if a man going on a journey, summoned his servants, and entrusted his property to them. He just gave it to them. And then, of course, in the fullness of time, God just gives us his son, his only son, the, the one only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who dies on the cross to forgive. He just gave us forgiveness, who goes to the grave to defeat sin and death. He just, he just gives us victory over death and then rises up in resurrection just to give us eternal life and promises to come again one day to make it. He just gives it all 
to make it all new. He just gives it all. Jesus is painting the picture of a very generous God. Don't, don't walk away from these stories where, that include outer darkness and separating sheep from the goat. You have to understand them in the larger context of the whole story. I'm not backpedaling on the hard stuff. I'm just saying, please keep it in context. It's actually an image of a generous God. He just gave it to them. It's as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. Twenty gave five talents. Twenty gave two talents. Twenty gave one talent. I'm hanging real close to N.T. Wright here, so if you have a problem with a sermon, you can take it up with him. Uh, he says in a book titled Matthew for Everyone, a talent, by the way, was a unit of money worth roughly what a laborer could earn in 15 years. Our modern word, talent, in the sense of the gifts or skills that an individual possesses, is derived from this parable. He just gave it to him. Five talents. That's 75 years worth of income. I could do something with that. And the the other two, he just gave him 30 years. My kids could get through college. 15, the one talent, 15 years. You could get a cobalt with 15 years of it. He just gave it to them. There's this interesting line in the exchange between the third servant, the one-talent servant, and the master. The one-talent servant comes to him and says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. So I dug a hole in the ground and buried the talent. Here, have what is yours. And the master, this is the line I find fascinating, the master says to him, You knew, did you? You knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather? It's almost as if it's a sarcastic question. You knew, did you? That's who you think I am? That's what you think I'm about? It's almost as if the one-talent servant gets the God he wanted. Where the five-talent servant and the two-talent servant trusting a good God, a generous God, a kind God, a lavishly good God, and they, 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 they risk, they run, they try. They're, they're, they're pursuing God's heart in the world, and they get the five talent gets ten talents, and the two talents gets four talents. A distorted vision of God leads to a distorted version of life. Jesus is painting a picture of a very generous God and a crazy, wild bunch of people who don't play it safe. The parable of the talents is followed by the teaching of the sheep and the goats. The talents is a parable, the sheep and the goats is a teaching. It's not a parable. It's almost as if the teaching of the sheep and the goats is interpreting the parable of the talents. The talent, not a commodity you can manage, but the good news announcement God has been unfolding in the world since the very beginning. The good news announcement of a kingdom where God makes himself known to and present with the sad, the hurting, the aching, the broken. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they're like, what? When did we do any of those things? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. The God of the kingdom, 
The, the, the people of God were expecting the Messiah to come and restore Israel to its rightful place in the world, putting Israel on top of everybody else. God's not interested in demographics and tribes, but rather but associating with the sad and the hurting and the broken, the hungry and the thirsty, the naked. And our proximity to him is determined by our proximity to them. If you want to be with God, go where the pain is. What happens to them happens to him, and our proximity to him depends on our proximity to them. Do you know what I'm saying? I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. When did we do any of these things? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. He's looking for a crazy, wild bunch of people who won't play it safe, who don't dig a hole in in the ground and bury the good news of the kingdom that announces justice and holiness and righteous and peace, but rather when you give it away, when you go where it needs to be, you get so much more, is the idea. So uh, I have this idea for my family. I haven't actually told them yet, so maybe I shouldn't tell you first, but I'll tell them eventually. My, this idea I have is to create every Monday night, generosity night. That's my idea. Isn't that a great idea? We're going we're gonna to gather, the six of us are going to gather around the table, which would be half a miracle if all six of us could gather around the table. And each of us is going to bring a story of someone in our life, whether it's a classmate or a teammate or a coworker, or a neighbor, or someone we saw downtown, whatever. We're each going to bring a story of someone we saw that day or that week or someone who's on our hearts who might be feeling sad, who might be feeling left out, the, the, the kid who got cut from the soccer team or the kid who just seemed sad in the classroom that day or the neighbor across the street who's having a rough go, whatever it is. We're, and we're all going to share these stories of the people we came in contact with. And then we're going to decide as a family which one are we going to give some amount of something to. I don't know, five bucks or more. Who knows? I don't know. I just don't want to play it safe. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking it's all about getting more and having more and going nice places and doing nice things, but to keep their eyes open because where the pain is, God goes. And our proximity to him depends on our proximity with them. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was there and you gave me something to drink. You get my point. Uh, C.S. Lewis, you know that, uh, that story, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a four children make their way into this glorious land called Narnia where the trees walk and the animals talk. The oldest daughter, Susan, is talking to Mr. Beaver They're in conversation, and Mr. Beaver says, Aslan, that's the Christ figure, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's good. This generous God, this good God is is, is shaping and forming a generous people. This this God, lavish with kindness, is nurturing a people lavish with kindness. Not not a group who hoards and, and digs holes and buries, but rather gives and offers, takes risks so the kingdom might break in to the places it needs to be. Don't play it safe. 
is the banner over the sermon, and my friend jumping out of the airplane is the image I wanted printed on your heart. Don't play it safe. That same Wednesday morning when I was stealing their ideas for this sermon, uh, John Opkenorth, he was a part of the group. John is the president of Words of Hope. It's a, it's a ministry in West Michigan that extends the gospel to what are called the hard places in the world, places where it's illegal to be Christian and oppression is high and persecution is real. And there's actually a lot of places like that in the world. Uh, John was sitting next to another friend of mine named Chip, and John shared oh so briefly just a little bit of his family story. And Chip then shared that story with the rest of us in a very brief way. So uh, John's grandparents, the Opkenorths, grew up in Wisconsin. They grew up outside of the faith. They weren't Christians. Some farmer neighbors of theirs, I don't know how close they were, uh, Willis and Florence Similink made their way across the pasture to John Opkenorth's grandparents. Of course, they weren't grandparents yet. John wasn't even alive. And shared with them the story of a really generous God who loves and gives and offers his own son, Jesus, who died on the cross to forgive and rose from the dead to redeem. And, and, and Willis and Florence, they just kept loving the Opkenorths. And as you can imagine, the Opkenorths become Christians. And think about the generational impact of those Wisconsin farmers walking across that prairie. John's daughter, Nicole, is a missionary pillar support in Nicaragua. Talk about welcoming the strangers and giving food to the hungry. And John himself is the president of Words of Hope, raising up Christian leaders in places like Iran where it's illegal to be Christian and nurturing the flourishing of the church in places like Turkey that have just been devastated. Talk about caring for those who are hurting. All because Willis and Florence walked across the prairie. Don't play it safe. Amen? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A generous God who just keeps giving and offering and extending lavish goodness. My body broken for you. The cup poured out for you. If you believe Jesus is Lord and acknowledge him as Savior, you're welcome to participate in this virtual communion experience. Maybe you've got bread and wine, uh, crackers and juice. If you're not at that place in life or faith, if there are questions you have about God and suspicions you carry about the church, I'm just grateful you'd hang with us this long. And I'd love to hear your story. Feel free to email me, john, J-O-N, at pillarchurch.com. We can go on the journey together. Come as you're ready.